Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Hello, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Anna. How are you? I'm doing well. It's great to see you. It's always good to be together, Anna. Yes, it is. It's one of my highlights. We've discussed so many aspects of what we've called well-being, thriving, flourishing, resilience, gratitude, self-care, purpose and meaning. Let's talk about that elusive term, happiness. Oh, and it is elusive, isn't it, Anna? Our Western culture is obsessed with it, and yet we're experiencing more stress, anxiety, and depression than ever before. And our gluttony for things, for money, status, success, stuff, you know, really it's, it's how we hold on to these, attached to these, and it's become the formula for our happiness. This, I'll be happy when I have, fill in the blank, you know, it's familiar to all of us. You know, we've talked about this when we talked about the gap, which is that, that space between where I am and where I think I should be really puts us into, you know, the mental, emotional state of unhappiness and discontentment. I'm here and I should be here, someplace else. So when we do that, happiness is on hold, waiting for some external circumstances to happen, whether it's the job, the relationship, the degree. So it's a race for more, better, and different. Happiness can only happen. I arrive at that imagined goal. Yes, and that's not how it works. Well, not usually. Let's look at some of the definitions of happiness and also contentment. You know, these are sometimes used interchangeably, and yet there's some authors make a very clear distinction between the two. Happiness is often described as a way of being in the world. That defines the quality that we experience in life simple or complex. Sometimes it's ambiguous. It can be kind of vague. Key is it relies on individual interpretation. So the ingredients that you seek for happiness may be very different than mine, or they may be very similar. This quality of life may be experienced as positive thoughts, joy, it could be a keen interest or pride in something, momentary, kind of fleeting, or it can be dependent on external resources. You know, for some, the positivity and joy permeate the past, present, and future. Or sometimes they're confined to a more immediate experience. And happiness can be experienced with a delightful cup of tea, walking in nature, or engaging with a child or a pet. Yes, that's a broad sweep of possibilities. Where does contentment fit in? Well, contentment is generally described as a longer-lasting experience. Very often, it includes a deep feeling of satisfaction and also of gratitude. It's the inherent knowledge that things are okay exactly as they are. The concept of of contentment is highly valued in cultures around the world, and in some cultures regarded as really the highest achievement of human well-being. And many of the great enlightened masters are really credited for living from this equanimous state. You know, this experience of contentment is an inner state of well-being and may be generated from what they call the knowledge of enough, which I absolutely love that, that term. 
basically, this is the awareness that right here, right now, everything is perfect just as it is, regardless of what anyone is experiencing on the outside. So contentment is truly an inside job. Yes, I love that term as well. So it's not dependent on outside influences. This sounds like acceptance, which we've discussed in many of our earlier episodes. That's right. That's right. Acceptance is not condoning. It's not agreeing with what's happening, but it's allowing and letting be. It's not a passive process by any means. You know, it has a lot to do with knowing what we have control over and, and what we don't have control over. And it also aligns with our purpose and meaning. And so, yes, contentment would just naturally follow this experience of allowing and letting be and really kind of raising it to a quality of well-being. Dr. Jane, what are other characteristics of these conditions, happiness and contentment? Well, as I've said, they're often described as interchangeable. They can occur when there is a goal achieved that we've you know, been waiting for and working toward can arise when there's a truth that all of a sudden is discovered or simply a pleasant sensation. You know, it can also involve a deep sense of flourishing that arises from an exceptionally healthy mind, a healthy way of seeing ourselves in the world, ourselves in the world. You know, this, often, um, this often isn't just a fleeting moment. You know, but more of a, a state of optimal well-being. So it can really um, help us take in the world. You know, we're not looking to change the world, but change the way we see the world. That makes me wonder, how do we know when we're there? Well, people describe happiness and contentment differently. You know, it's a very subjective topic, but some common factors would include things like absence of inner conflict, a real sense of harmony within oneself and connection to the world. Very often it's, it's few of any expectations. Also the kind of relaxing of the inner tension, you know, really kind of moving into a state of calm, which also involves freedom from fear and, and a present moment immediate awareness. You know, this is the way it is right now. And also an openness to Life unfolding in a very natural way. We don't, we're not pushing or shoving it in any particular direction. And we also, in happiness and contentment, have less of attachment to mental constructs, you know, thoughts, beliefs, you know, old way of, of doing things, conditioning, things like that. And there's also, for most people in happiness and contentment, a real sense of gratitude. And this can be a, a passing feeling or it can stay with us for a while, correct? That's right. That's right. It may serve us following an achieved goal or completion of, of some desired task or just a passing experience brought up by a, a particular set of circumstances. Yes, or sometimes it just shows up like magic, right? Oh, that's right. And I think of those moments as a hit of grace. You know, as I said from the start, we may experience Fleeting moments are more enduring kind of quality of happiness and contentment. And when it's more enduring, it really becomes kind of the fabric of life. Now, knowing that well-being um, is, along with suffering, really an internal state, you know, is a key to a life worth living. You know, because it's, it's knowing that we can discern 
what mental and emotional conditions really drain us, and, and which of those really nourish us, which of those conditions nourish us. It always comes back to this, doesn't it? Turning within. Well, yes, it, it, really, it really does. It's all about the inside job, happiness and contentment. You know, they're not artificial. It's not about naivete. It's not ignoring or denying the imperfections or having Pollyanna attitudes. It requires that we consider our history, we consider our conditioning and our beliefs, and our backstory. And really, we really must, you know, own our mental and emotional toxins, you know, and the re reactivity that they perpetuate. You know, I have to own what's going on. I have to be responsible for that. It's also about letting go of the past and releasing other things that I have no control over. It's learning how the mind works. And also, in learning how the mind works, understand that we can work with the mind for our greater good. We can cultivate insight. We can accept and learn to accept reality just as it is. These are all familiar tasks leading up to changing toward our best and highest self. Yes, Anna, we've touched upon these all a time or two. So it also is important to know that happiness and contentment are not about our personal individual IQ. However, they are linked to emotional intelligence. Remember, that's the capacity to correctly perceive and consider another person's feelings. So in that, in that context, friendship also correlates with happiness and contentment. You know, the question arises, are we happy because we have a lot of friends? Or do we have a lot of friends because we're happy? You know, people who report being happy are generally more open to the world. They believe that they have more control over themselves and their lives. They feel like they're more capable of controlling their environments. They tend to be more open-minded. And they also tend to be more growth-minded, which means that they're open to the possibility of change. Yes, and there's an ease and opening to, uh, you know, an openness to folks that are happy. And that must be the reason why they're so easy to be around. Well, I think so, Anna. You know, people are happy and content. And, and when they are, they report having a definite spiritual dimension to their lives as well, which is, I find interesting. And it's spiritual, not necessarily religious, but a spiritual dimension that supports their individual goals, that really promotes um, human values, things like goodness and charity and altruism, generosity. And this also really squelches pessimism, and cynicism, and despair. So I find it so interesting that our culture really values um, Things that are more better and different, you know, and the things and our attachments. And yet the studies that have been done really say that there's a very small correlation. Sometimes the biggest correlation that, that I found was like 10 to 15 percent correlation between happiness and these external kinds of things like wealth or health or beauty. So a more pronounced correlation really is a person's perception of their life. And also the world events and how they're reacting to the world events. Dr. Jane, what else has research discovered about happiness and contentment? Well, in the early 20th century, certainly psychology was mostly concerned with 
really, it was about treating psychological disturbances, kind of describing it, categorizing, treating. And it wasn't until more recently with the work of people like Dr. Martin Seligman, you know, who's the founder of positive psychology and also other kind of adjunct cognitive thinking process sciences, that search began, research began to focus more on what is it to have a state, an internal state of well-being and foster the ability to flourish in life. Now, most of the studies prior to this really talked about predisposition to happiness or unhappiness. So the questions centered around how were you raised, what were your life experiences, um, what are some of the mental factors or personality traits that go into it, what are the genetic factors, believe it or not. And the results suggest that outward conditions like wealth and education, gender, age, ethnicity, account for very little when it comes to internal satisfaction. Some studies that studied the, the genetic predisposition, you know, said it accounts for some variance. It's kind of like a blueprint, but that can be applied or it can be ignored in life situations. Real guts of what you know is linked to happiness and contentment are the patterns of our thinking. Those have the most influence as to whether or not we experience either happiness or contentment. It's how we view the world and ourselves in the world, how we view it, how we interpret it, how we react to it. You know, this is about how we are operating in life. Yes, these topics touch into so many of our conversations. We change our thinking that changes our feelings, which also allows us to open, you know, to be open to making different choices, conscious choices. Well, that's right. You know, and the theme continues to arise. You know, there have been volumes of studies over the last 40 years, far more than we can possibly review in our limited time. But the main thrust has been to examine happiness and contentment at at least two different levels, both external conditions and then also internal processes. And these are crucial because if we can identify circumstances, in which people are most happy, you know, it becomes a possibility that we can recreate or suggest how others can recreate these external circumstances these, and really control for the external influences. And by discovering the internal processes that manifest happiness and contentment, there's a possibility skills can be identified, learned, taught, awareness skills, Know, that can reshape our thinking. And by doing that, reshape our lives and create the happiness and contentment that we all say we want. Let's take a look at the other end of the continuum. We've been in the pandemic, along with political and social crisis. I'm sure that unhappiness has been on the rise as of late. Well, yes. You know, and there's a term in sociology that... Uh, I find so very interesting. It's called the wicked world syndrome. And that suggests that creating happiness is just not possible, so don't even try. In the wicked world syndrome, you know, it's the belief that human nature is essentially corrupt. That, and this breeds, I mean, 
just saying it, you can feel it. You know, it breeds pessimism, cynicism, and can really halt the quest for happiness. But I choose to believe, Anna, that maybe we're diamonds in the rough, you know, that, that are waiting to be polished to a high shine. And dear Dr. Martin Seligman, the founder of Positive Psychology, suggests that our increase in negativity and anxiety and depression in Western culture really is a result of living meaningless lives, you know, attached to external conditions and stuff, and that there's very little attachment to something larger and greater than ourselves. And this fosters that wicked world syndrome. You know, the keys are just about really we need to learn awareness and mindfulness skills so that we have the present moment awareness so that we can capture the good as it arises. You know, identify those well-being contingencies, that gap. I'll be happy when I get. You know how we're setting that up, setting ourselves up for that. It's also about learning and practicing acceptance and also seeking the meaning and purpose in our daily lives. You know, we've touched upon all of these, Anna. All of these topics are included in our previous episodes on video, also in our podcast library. Yes, they are. Diamonds in the rough no longer. <laughs> Happiness and contentment, here we are. Thank yes. you, Dr. Jane. Thank you, Anna. Until our next conversation. <laughs>